black is up everybody my name is james d fiore and this is blackball if you have been following canadian politics over the last week you might have seen something that we haven't really seen before in that landscape and that is a person from overseas a politician came over and turned our entire political establishment on its head for a whole myriad of different reasons one of the reasons is because the media had decided and people on social media had decided that Christine Anderson, who is a politician from Germany, she's in the EU parliament, has decided uh, that, that she came over to visit and she wanted to sort of throw her support behind the convoy crowd. And when she did, people collectively lost their minds, including the Conservative Party of Canada leader Pierre Polyev, who sounded a lot like Justin Trudeau when he put out a statement admonishing her for her views and then throwing members of his own caucus under the bus for meeting her and being photographed with her. And I feel like my guest today is the benefactor of last week in Canada as far as politics go. What is going on? I'm so happy that we get to uh, that we're not doing this live because already. How you doing, Max? <laughs> yes, great. Thank you, James. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, listen, are you in the same vote as I am as far as how things went in politics in this country last week with the visit of Christine Anderson? Yes, actually, you know, I was very surprised by the reaction coming from uh, Pierre Polyev and the Conservative Party of Canada. Like you just said, uh, James, uh, I know uh, Christine um, uh, and, and Anderson, Anderson, sorry, uh, since uh, maybe oh, during COVID-19, we started to have video conference together. Uh, we are part of the same uh, group of politicians who were fighting for uh, ending the draconian measures in different countries. But for me, that was the first time that I was able to meet her in person in Montreal last Thursday. And she's a great lady. I call her the, the queen of freedom, the queen of the freedom movement, because of our, her speech that she delivered in the uh, European Parliament, as you may remember, when Trudeau was there, she said that he was not welcome and uh, she said that he was not a real Democrat because of everything that he did during COVID-19 here in Canada. And because of that, she was very well known with the freedom movement. And that's why, you know, she did a tour about a couple of days here in Canada. And um, and something happened <laughs> because of her meeting with uh, three conservative MPs. Um, and uh, I believe that Polyev was not happy when uh, he uh, these MPs met with her. And uh, the rest is history. Polyev issued a statement saying that she uh, was a racist and uh, and he threw under the bus his three MPs just for a meeting and a photo up with uh, Christine Anderson. Yeah, it was really strange. Uh, the, um, 
the, the one part that I found really strange was the inclusion of Leslin Lewis as as a person that Poiliev kind of uh, framed as a person who would meet with a racist. That, that was very strange because she's a black woman, obviously, and she's also one of the she's also the only MP that didn't apologize. Do you? Th- do, I'm just curious. Uh, Christine Anderson said that she had met or spoke with, I think she said, uh, with Polyev twice. Did you and Christine talk about that at all? Uh, and, and how he denied ever even talking to her? No, no, we didn't. Uh, we didn't uh, have any discussion about that. Um, but maybe people must understand uh, why Polyev said that uh, she was a racist and with racist views, because like me. Uh, in Europe, she's uh, the only, and with her political party, uh, and they are arguing for uh, sustainable immigration, fewer immigrants in Germany. And, uh, you know, I'm doing the same thing here in Canada. But, you know, for for Poliev and Trudeau and the mainstream media, when you are asking for fewer immigrants, they are very, they are very fast to uh, say that, oh, maybe you're a racist and you're a xenophobe. So, and he said that, but she's not a racist. She's actually, like you just said, she was with uh, Miss uh, Lewis, uh, with, and she's a black lady. And, uh, and I don't understand why Polyev did that, but I can tell you that uh, after that, um, Leslin uh, was with Pierre Poliev the day after, and for the uh, the historic, uh, uh, I think it's the Black Historical Month, uh, the month of uh, March. So you know she she was with Poliev, and like everything is okay. But no, we saw the real Pierre Poliev uh, yesterday, last week. We saw the real one. And when he was with the Freedom Convoy, he just did a photo up. And that, just, that was just at that time to have more support and to be able to win the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. And now Poliev is going to the left because, you know, he uh, will need more support in the big urban centers and he doesn't want to uh, unplease the mainstream media. So that was, uh, that was a big week for me because now people understand that they cannot trust Pierre Poliev anymore. Yeah, I was, uh, that, was, uh, that was a really surreal thing. It almost looked like uh, Poliev was still, even when he released the statement, because he never posted it on social media. He never put it on his Twitter, the statement that he made. He told one reporter and then it got flushed out. And so it still feels like he's trying to play both sides a little bit, doesn't it? Absolutely, yes. And but you know that statement was always was also uh, the office of the leader of the opposition, uh, Polyev's office, uh, sent that uh, that uh, statement to other media, and that's why it was in the National Post, in the Global Mail, and uh, Toronto Star. Uh, so that's the the opposition. That's the position of uh, Pierre Poliev, but he doesn't want to put that under his Twitter account, on his Twitter account and uh, his own social media, because he thinks that, you know, uh, we won't uh, do anything because, you know, it's not coming from his Twitter account, but that's him, you know, it's his statement and he approved it. And uh, so that's why uh, I, I, I really, I knew that Poliev will, uh, will change after the leadership contest. And uh, that was uh, another example of that. Yeah, I didn't. I, I actually thought, and, and I, I can't tell if I'm wrong yet, 
but the connection so far away that I thought Polyev was going to do kind of what Trump did. And what Trump did was um, just stay with, with uh, sort of like far-right conservative um, values going into the general election. And I thought Polyev was reading the ether at the time and thinking to himself, I'm just going to do that. But that did look like he was pivoting towards the center. And, and, and it, it, it kind of dawned on me that, uh, you know, the benefactor for him doing that, at least in the short term, would be you. All your party, Conservative Party of Canada and the Liberals have all been fundraising off of Christine Anderson's visit. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this before. Have you? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the Liberal, Liberal Party of Canada is doing. But uh, yes, we send an email and we uh, fundraise money on that issue for sure. And actually, that was a very successful one. Uh, people are fed up with politicians like that. And, uh, and so we, we are doing politics differently, James. You know it. And it's not a slogan. That's the reality. So popular or not, politically correct or not, we have always the same ideas and we are pushing for these ideas. But for Polyev, we are living in a socialist era. And for Polyev to be able to win and to be in government, he needs to go to the left. And that's what he's doing right now. Is there some sort of conventional wisdom that makes sense to pivot towards the center, given that Canada is made up of many people from many different walks of life and many different political aspirations and ideologies? Is, is, there, a, is there just a conventional wisdom that it does make sense to try to expand tent of any party? You know... For Polyev, what is making sense is looking at the polls and the focus group. And the population is there to the left right now. So with the wokeism, the globalism and all that. So if he wants to have a majority, he will need to go to the left. That's why I said that in the beginning. But for us, I believe that, you know, I'll give you an example uh, for our position on the war uh, in Ukraine. We are the only national political party that you know, is against that. And we don't have, we, we don't need to be there. Uh, actually, you know, we need to go back to our history and our culture. And our position is that peace making and peacekeeping, and we must be there to promote a, a ceasefire and a diplomatic solution. That being said, if you look in the polls today, we don't have the majority on that side. But actually, for Polyev and the Liberals, and with all the propaganda, you know, we still, I saw a, a poll coming from Angus, uh, Angus uh, Reid, and uh, it was, I believe, last week, and 23% of Canadians were saying we must negotiate peace. So it's, it's great, 23%, when you don't have that point of view in the mainstream media, and when, when no national political party is promoting that point of view, having 23% of the population, it's great. So on that issue, but on all these other issues, yes, maybe our country right now is leftist and a little bit to the left. But I believe that, you know, if you explain our values, and I believe that a lot of Canadians believe in individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness. And I believe that the more you speak, the more support you'll have. So today, I, give, I think you're right about that, James. Today, uh, you know, if you want to be prime minister in this country, I believe that you'll, you'll need to go to the left because you, and if you're a traditional politician, you don't want to take times to explain 
your policies to Canadians. That's what we are doing. You are looking at the poll and you're saying, okay, they want to hear that. I'll tell him, I'll tell them that. But for us, it's not important. We, as you know, we think that we have the right values and we are speaking about that. And I believe that, you know, uh, our, our time will come. Maybe not tomorrow, but it will come. So I can understand in a way, Polyev, why he's going to the left, because now his goal is to be prime minister of Canada. And, and it, when he had another goal a couple of uh, months ago, his goal was to be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. So he was speaking at that time like a real conservative and for freedom. But now uh, it's the same thing like uh, Andrew, to Andrew, uh, uh, Andrew Scheer told me after my own leadership in 2017 when I didn't win and I was a conservative and, and before I left and before we created the People's Party, Andrew told me, Maxime, we won't take any of your ideas for our next electoral campaign, the one in 2019, because your ideas were very popular with the conservative membership, but they are not popular with the population. And my goal is to be prime minister. So, Maxime, that's why we won't take any of your ideas. And that's why I left and I said, that party is intellectual and morally corrupt. But Poliev is doing the same thing right now. Uh, are you neutral on the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Absolutely. We don't have, I'm not pro-Russian. I'm not pro-Ukraine. I'm looking at, at that conflict. I'm looking at history. Actually, if you remember the uh, Cuban uh, missile crisis in 1962, Khrushchev wanted to have uh, missiles uh, on, in Cuba, and Kennedy said, no, we don't want that. It will be at our doors, and we cannot tolerate that. So they had an agreement at that time. And so what, what uh, we are doing, we the West, uh, we are pushing Ukraine to be part of NATO, and de facto Ukraine is a member of, of uh, NATO, de facto. But uh, Putin told us a couple of years ago in 2007, he delivered a speech in Munich at the uh, security conference. And he said, you know, I don't want uh, Ukraine to be part of NATO. I don't want to have a NATO base at my doors. I don't want to have missiles at my doors. Same thing like Kennedy said. But for us, we didn't listen to him. And, and I believe that Ukraine must not be part of NATO. I don't agree with the invasion coming from uh, Russia, but that's a fact right now. But I understand also that Donbass and Crimea was under uh, uh, other jurisdictions the last 100 years. And so, so we need to have a different look at that conflict. And now what I don't like, it's the escalation of that conflict. And it's, it's very dangerous. So we need to have a ceasefire. We need to put these two uh, parties at the same table. And like we did Canada in the 1950s during the, uh, the Suez Canal crisis, uh, we were there and we put the, the, the parties together and we we were able to have a peaceful resolution. Uh, like, uh, actually, when the, the, the war in Iraq, uh, Chrétien said, you know, I won't be part of that. Uh, actually, Trudeau father uh, was not part of the war in Vietnam. So that's not our history. We, and now we are part of that. We are making Russia our enemies, and Russia is our neighbor. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very dangerous, and it's not in line... 
to in line with the security of our country. It, it is not in line with the security interest of our country. So that's why our party said, we don't have to be there. We don't need to send uh, arms. We need to be able to uh, promote peace and, and the ceasefires. Actually, right now, last week, it was China who did that. China presented a, a ceasefires of 12 points. But China is not credible. They're, uh, they're working with Russia. So actually, that's why we need to look at that conflict. It's not only Russian are the bad guys and Ukraine's, Ukrainians are the good one. No, you know, it's more complex than that. What is going on with our media right now? So you've been in politics for a long time, and it's, I think it's much more than just being like, oh, they're the liberal media. I've never seen a conflict that had nothing to do with us receive um, such sort of slanted coverage. I, I don't even recall seeing any criticism of Zelensky ever. And I'm just, and listen, I, I, I would say that I understand the politics behind it geopolitically. I understand NATO sort of creeping closer and closer to, to Russian borders. And I also believe that um, there could have been uh, on Russia's part, obviously, more of a negotiating uh, strategy rather than just invading. So I do see them as a bad actor. But what is it about our media? You've been in the game a long time, so you kind of know about that incestuous relationship between media and government, especially the government in power. What is it with conflict that is making our media just turn a blind eye to any type of criticism towards Ukraine? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I don't have the answer to that. What I'm, I'm seeing right now is the media is the propaganda arms of the government. And that's on, not only the media here in Canada, the mainstream media in U.S. also. Uh, so it's um, here in Canada, as you know, we have a, a very huge uh, uh, proportion of the population. I believe it's 1.3 million people uh, from Ukraine background coming from Ukraine. And for me, they are Canadians. Uh, I believe that Poliev is playing that card also. Uh, they are concentrated in, in, in certain uh, writings. And, uh, and so for him, it would be important to have their support. Maybe that's why he's supporting that war also. Politically, it would be uh, helpful for him in Canada uh, to win some writings out West. But that being said, um, the media... They, you know, they don't play their role. They don't play their role to be more critic towards the government. They're not. And why it's always only one narrative about Ukraine, I really don't know. I, um, I just want to get back to the whole uh, thing last week with Anderson because I, I wanted to ask you something. If if Polyev loses a chunk of the support that he had to you. Does growing that constituency uh, potentially alienate moderates that might want to vote for the People's Party of Canada? No, you know, if you look at, we had 840,000 people who voted for us at the last general election. And, uh, you know, and I know I'm traveling across the country and meeting a lot of people and a lot of them are people who never voted. And also we are able to attract uh, people coming from other political parties than the conservative. Uh, people who voted for Jean Chrétien when he was balancing the budget and fiscally responsible. So it's all about common sense. 
And, you know, we are not, you know, far right or right. Read our platform. It's common sense. It's conservative family values. And that's why we are able to attract people. And that's why we will grow. You know, uh, after the leadership, at the last election, we, we had 5% of the vote. When Polyev was elected, we went down in some polls at 3%. And maybe some of our people decided to go back with Polyev. But uh, right now, if you look at the polls, we are around 5% again. But I believe that we'll be able to grow, not from former conservative, from people who never voted, uh, people who voted NDP, because now the NDP is a woke uh, political party. So they're not, they're not fighting for workers. And we are with our policies. So I believe that the next election, that will be a big step for us. And actually, James, I must uh, tell you a news. Uh, uh, I will be, I believe that I will be uh, in the national debates when the election will come. Uh, they said I, I needed to have 4% and we had 5% at the last election. So for us, it would be a nice opportunity to be able to be more visible with people who are still only taking their news with CBC and uh, CTV. So we can grow and our supporters are not coming uh, only from the Conservative Party of Canada. Actually, they don't want to vote for us because what they're saying, oh, if we vote for Bernier, we will split the vote. That's their argument. So, but about the splitting the vote, I'm telling them, you know, if you want Pierre Poliev to be honest, be sure to vote for your PPC candidate because we will support a Polyev minority government when he will be honest and conservative and when he'll do something in line with our platform. So if you like our platforms, but you want to vote for Polyev to get rid of Trudeau, you, you did that the last two elections, 2019, 2021, did not happen. So now you must vote for your values and doing that, voting for a PPC candidate, we will be with Polyev, we will support Polyev, and you like our platform, when he will implement our platform. So it's a win-win. And uh, is, it, is it weird to know that you're following in the footsteps of the NDP by vote splitting? <clears throat> no. <laughs> Actually, we can be the kind of the NDP of the right. You know, now we have a socialist government in Ottawa, and if Polyev has a minority and we have a couple of candidates elected, we can push Polyev to the right and uh, we'll see what will happen. But uh, actually, I'm looking right now, James, for two ridings for the next general election. I won't run in Quebec. Uh, my decision is done. But I'm looking at Timmins, Ontario. And over there, you have NDP member of parliament, Charlie Engus. And I'm looking also wow. in southern Manitoba, where you have a conservative member of parliament. I don't know which one. My goal is to decide this year and uh, because we may have an election in 2024. Why wouldn't you pick a writing in uh, Saskatchewan or Alberta where you seem to be more popular? Yes, uh, Alberta, we are very popular there, but there's no competition. It's us and the Conservative Party. So to the Conservative uh, uh, candidates in Alberta are winning by 65, 75% of the vote. And so the NDP and the Liberals, they're about around 10%, 8%, something like that. So to win, you need to have at least 
35, 40% of the vote. And I know that our candidates did very, very well in Alberta. They had an average about 10%. Uh, but you need to grow that to at about 30 minimum to be able to win. But in Timmins, Ontario, and southern Manitoba, there's more competition over there. So you can win that riding around 30%. And also, I like these uh, two ridings because there's a, a francophone community also. And for me, that's important. Yeah. Um, I, I want to play a little game with you about what if Max Bernier was prime minister? Okay. <laughs> you, you, must, you, you, you must be patient. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's true. But listen, you said it yourself. Uh, it took you like three years or whatever to gain uh, a certain percentage of national support uh, where it took Elizabeth May and the Greens like 25 years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I understand that the growth is there. What would you do with universal health care if you were prime minister? Universal health care? <laughs> Actually, it must be universal. What, it's, what we want to do right now, we have an, a system that theoretically is very nice, but we have waiting times for surgeries. We, the system is not efficient. We are spending more money than other countries in Europe. So what I want, what I will do, I will give to provinces the, the power to raise money for their own responsibilities. So uh, this year, Trudeau will give about $45 billion to provinces for health care. So I won't do that. I won't give us subsidies. I'll do better than that. I will give them the GST. The GST will be a provincial tax. Provincial province, Provinces will be able to raise their, their money for their own jurisdictions, and we won't receive any money from the GST. And actually, this year, the GST will bring about $45 billion. So they will be responsible for that. And I hope that they will have enough money. If not, they will, they will have to find another way to be more efficient with, and I'm for that. I would answer your question right now. I'm for a universal uh, coverage for everybody, but everybody must be able to choose if they want to go to a private clinic or, or a public hospital. And so, and, and doctors will have to, to give some of their time in the public sector and also if they want in the private sector, like in Europe. So they're spending less money and they don't have any waiting time for surgeries. That is the real solution, and let and we need to have that discussion in Canada about our healthcare system. Okay, um, do you think that our media and did you talk to Christine Anderson about things like this? Does she know what she was doing there in the picture on the right? I'm just curious because I kind of felt like I saw that picture, and just for those listening, it's the picture of her with the diagonal flag and then making the diagonal symbol on her chest. Yeah. Do you think that she knew what was going on in that? Or did she? Did someone just walk up the flag and say, do this? And then she did it. But first, uh, answer your question. We didn't have any discussion about that. Uh, I saw okay. that photo after my meeting with her. And so I don't know. Uh, you know, I must say that maybe, you know, she's from Europe. Maybe she didn't do. She didn't know all the details about that. And, uh, and if you look at the photo, she seemed to have funds. So maybe somebody told her that it was a joke, and, uh, and uh, but I, I don't okay. know. I cannot answer okay. that question. Did, do you know how she got here and who brought her? Because it felt like an Ezra Levant operation at first. No, no. I believe that it's a, a, a Jewish lady. I don't remember her name from Toronto and, uh, and other people. 
uh, and they they decided. I believe that they they decided to be in touch with her, and they told her, you know, come in Canada, you'll welcome. We can do a tour. She was in uh, in uh, Calgary, she was in Toronto, and she was in Montreal. So, and also she told me that uh, this week she'll be in U.S. for uh, other meetings over there, and after that uh, she's supposed to leave for uh, Europe. That whole phenomenon, again, was really weird because uh, I, I have never seen the word Nazi thrown around so much um, <laughs> in one week. And despite the fact, I've had her on the show before. I had her on last year. And we talked about uh, her speech in the parliament. And, you know, I, I spoke to her about um, the issues that she believes in. I told her at the end of the interview that while I disagree with like 90% of her positions, I thought it was a, a good interview. Then I spoke with, I, I wrote a piece about this, but I spoke with, um, I have, uh, I, I, I was surprised to find out how many Jewish we have when I looked at my contact list, but I, <laughs> I, I called four of them and I asked them about her and about calling her a Nazi. And the really interesting thing is, is that all of these very liberal people that just called her a Nazi, these three out of the four of the Jewish friends that I spoke with were adamant that you can't call someone a Nazi unless they reach certain heinous benchmarks. And some of those benchmarks are like the overt bigotry that comes along with being a Nazi and the promotion or the execution of genocide. These are things that are basically um, non-negotiable with a lot of people inside the Jewish community. And I'm just wondering, because you've been on the receiving end of that before, I always like to poke <laughs> fun at you when you're on this show because it's like, I don't think Max Bernie is a racist, but... It's it's unfortunate. It's it's like sort of like oh, if you're a communist in Canada, um, the NDP just has to admit that a lot of communists probably vote for them, even though they're not communists. <laughs> and you're kind of on the other side of that. Even though you're not a racist, you just happen to be the party where if you're kind of a bigot, you probably will be a part of Canada supporter. Is that a very strange place to be in politically? <laughs> I'm saying, you know, uh, if you if you like what I'm saying, I hope you'll vote for us. Uh, and I won't change my policies. If you think that, you know, uh, we are a racist party and we are against immigration, please don't vote for us because that is not the case. So it's very simple like that. And more and more people uh, appreciate our party right now. You know, we are growing and people understand. Uh, my political opponents were using these uh, words in the beginning when we created the party. Uh, and now people who are with us understand and they know their platform. Actually, James, it's the same platform since the creation of the party. So we we don't change and more people understand and more people know the platform and they know that we are not anti-immigration. We are for sustainable immigration and, and we want more skilled uh, immigrants that will come here. They will have a job. Their integration in our society will be easier. So, you know, you can read all that on our website, People's Party of Canada, C and I believe I didn't read the platform of the of Christian Anderson political political party, but I believe it's the same thing. They have the same challenge in Germany with immigration, and, uh, and but she's not a Nancy, a Nancy. She's not a racist. She's a great lady, and uh, the mainstream media tried to use that without any proof, actually, and uh, and it's too bad, but. Uh, 
uh, she's, you know, she, uh, I, I look at her videos that she did after that. And she said, you know, nobody will define me. I know who I am and I will always fight for what I believe. And I think that's what, that was the right answer. Yeah, it's interesting. It, that, like I said, that, that political story, I've never seen really anything like it um, ever. And so I think, uh, I think it, it'll be interesting to see how the fallout manages because I, I was I was talking to a bunch of I was talking to a conservative strategist actually from Ontario, who was saying that um, he thinks that uh, the statement that went out was without Polyev's um, uh. <laughs> permission. And they like, they always say that when they don't like something. You're the leader. Yeah. You're responsible. And I believe, you know, when when they had that, they had a discussion at the office of the leader of the opposition. And before doing that, they just said, you know, three MPs throwing three MPs under the bus. And you're saying that Polyev was not <laughs> didn't know about that. No, no, it's too important. Polyev knew and Polyev won the leadership with a huge majority. Now he's in control. And what he's telling to the conservative MPs, I'm the boss. And if I don't like what you're doing, look what I can do. So stay cool. I'm the boss and listen to me. That was a nice example for the caucus. And like that, Polyev is in charge. You know, he knew everything. He approved everything. And that was his authority on the caucus. And uh, he will do what he wants with that political party. Sometimes I forget just how well you know the people over there at the Conservative Party of Canada. They were not just your colleagues, but they were your friends for a while. Is yes. it strange now in hindsight to see that party scramble so much over the years, like leader after leader, and then uh, Polyev getting elected? largely on the backs of the freedom convoy uh as leadership and then to to have men inch his way back like this so you're saying then that this um sort of slight of his own mps via the christine anderson scandal or whatever you want to call it uh, was a direct result of him that was like the first step of him inching by the at the idea yeah absolutely and uh, and that won't be the last one uh, you know polyev is in control and actually, what is happening with the Conservative Party? It's because, you know, like I said, they, they are not conservative. They don't have any conviction. They're looking at the polls. And so their only goal now and always for the leader is to be prime minister. So they, they, don't, they don't promote real conservative family values, ideas or policies. And so that, that's why you don't know a day, you know, they, they can be at uh, far, far left, and another day, another day in the in the middle, uh, and that's why Polyev does try to find the, the the electoral platform of the Conservative Party of Canada on their website. You won't be able to find it because then they will need more time. They will do polling focus group couple of weeks before the next election, and they will come with a, a an electoral platform. And I and at that time, I believe that uh, real con some real conservatives will be very uh, not so happy with that platform. But that's the, the, the Conservative Party. Their only goal is to be in government. And when they are in government, I can tell you I was part of them. I was elected a Conservative in 2006 in a minority government, 2008 another minority government, and 2011 we had our first majority with Stephen Harper. So we 
the MPs were saying, okay, we have the majority, we can do a lot of reform, that would be a real conservative government. But no, <laughs> what is the legacy of Stephen Harper? Zero, yet nothing. He dismantled the weed board out west and that was it. So because his philosophy was to do incremental changes, but, but you know, he was, not, he was not proposing real conservative reform because that was not popular and he didn't have any conviction and he wanted to do what is popular. Polyev will do the same. If he has a minority or a majority, he, will, he, he, he won't be able to do any changes. He will just look at the polls and without any conviction. And that's why I, I like Brian Maroney at the election of 1988, the free trade election. At that time, Brian was not popular. And, you know, if you can look at the legacy of Brian Maroney, I'm not a pro-Brian, but for that election, it was not popular to speak about free trade with the U.S. And Brian started, he said, no, it's too important for the future of this country. My goal is to lead. That will be important. And I'm for it 100%. And all these other establishment political parties were against. And in the poll, when they started the campaign, if I remember well, 75% of the population were saying, no way, Brian, we don't want the free trade. And he was able to change that with the biggest majority in Canadian history, 210 uh, uh, conservative MPs. And at that time, I think in the House, they had 220 or something like that MPs. But that was his conviction. He said, it's important. I'm going to set it. I'm going to explain that to the population. We will debate, and I will win that debate. But Harper didn't do anything like that with, with, with anything. You know, he, he was just following the trend, and, and Polyev is doing the same thing. Did you contact your lawyer yet and tell him that he should start working now to make sure you can get in the debates? <laughs> no, no, I, I, you know, actually, uh, I believe that I'll be there. Uh, you know, really, they, they, what what makes you think that though? Because I know they said the whole threshold thing of four or five percent or whatever it was. Four, four. But but you know what they're like. They'll just find a way. The, the you know to 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 exclude you or all the candidates expect something like this will happen. This is my prediction. Two of the like the conservative and the liberal candidate will get together and be like, let's just boycott this debate if they include Bernie. <laughs> Seriously, you don't think that will happen? I don't know. I, I don't trust them. It, it may happen, but I don't believe so. So, but you know, they said 4%, we had 5%. They cannot change that. And and you know, maybe I'm uh, I'm too honest, but I believe that you know, if you if they're fair, that was the rule and I must be there. And I'll do, and, and I will, you're right, James, about that. I will be in touch with my lawyer if something happened and they're saying you're not there. And I believe that we will have a strong case. Yeah, call him now. And also, um, <laughs> you are a politician, so it's the honesty thing. Uh, we'll just let that slide, I think, right? Because it's, a, it's um, Max Bernier, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate your time as usual. And you know, you know, you you're always welcome to come back here. I know, yeah. I know, James, and I know that you're not supporting 100% of our platform, and I'm okay with that. And so I like to do an interview like that with you. It's always fun. So let's stay in touch, and maybe in a couple of uh, weeks or months, we'll be able to be together again. That sounds good. Max Bernier, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good night.
All right, Max Bernier. Listen, um, when I get all the emails saying that I hit him with kid gloves, just remember, my job is not to carry the water for people with opposite political views of, of Maxime Bernier. Uh, I, I, I hate saying this, but I have to every time because I've already received a whole bunch of emails um, over the last week or so uh, when I started promoting this. But that's life. Uh, I don't mind that. Max Bernier, uh, whether, you believe, whether you believe what he believes or not, um, he's a civil speaker. Uh, I, I, I try to ask him tough questions in a way that isn't overly combative because, uh, you know, that's just not who I am. So hopefully you enjoyed that. And we will see you next time on Black Ball. Black Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.